I'm Sarah Struby, and this is Identity, the podcast about how external elements influence internal worlds. In this first season, you'll meet the people under the mask, behind the badge, and on the other side of the aisle. You'll learn what traumas and triumphs motivate them and shape their identities. Welcome to Identity. When you're scared, beloved TV show host Mr. Rogers says to look for the helpers. You will always find people who are helping. And that's who today's episode focuses on. Brianna Titone is a tall and slender woman with long red hair and an incredible presence. And as she sits across from me, I cannot help but fangirling over this multifaceted woman. Hi, my name is Brianna Titone. I am the representative-elect for House District 27. I am a geologist, geochemist, hydrogeologist, and uh, kind of a goody two-shoes at times. Brianna is Colorado's first openly transgender representative. She started her career as a volunteer firefighter in rural New York, then moved into environmental cleanup in the field of geology. She even interviewed with the FBI in the spirit of serving the people around her. She's always been a servant leader, though she hasn't always felt like she fit into the community that she served. And the flip side to Brianna's public identity was a quiet longing to be someone else entirely. Yeah, well, I mean, most of my life was filled with wanting to be a different person. Um... I think a lot of my crushes that I had throughout life were were more of just like, yeah, I'm crushing on that girl because I want to be that girl, <laughs> you know? It's kind of like, I think a lot of trans people kind of feel that way, that it's just like, oh, I just want, just want to like absorb you and just make you me and me be mind transfer. There. There are things that you can change about yourself, um, and there's some things that you can't and just won't be the same. And you know, like my voice, I really don't like it. It's a big point of contention to me. My outward appearance would be considered passing, but as soon as I open my mouth, everybody knows that I'm a trans person. So if, I mean, and, and there's always that goal of, of, you know, passing. And most of the time, you know, passing is important for a trans people because it avoids violence. It allows them to be in places that they probably wouldn't be able to because they would be told to leave or they would be thrown out of places. They can go to countries where they might be murdered. And I'm still nervous about going to certain countries because as soon as I open my mouth, they're going to know that I'm a trans person. And if somebody, you know, wants me dead, they can follow me around and get me later. I mean, this is not paranoia. This is, you know, stuff that, that happens. And, you know, it's a real uh, concern. So it's always better to, to pass and not have everybody know your identity 
there's a lot of uh, trans people that I know that are, you know, that have a voice that passes. They have an appearance that passes. And um, some have been incognito for their whole life. And, you know, that's the thing with, with trans people. There's like a spectrum of being trans. You know, you don't have to be passing as a cis person, whether you're a cis female or trans female passing as a cis female or a trans man passing as a cis man. You don't have to be on those spectrums. You can be anywhere in between. I always wanted to be the passing cis female looking trans woman that people didn't know that I was. It ain't going to happen. <laughs> it's not going to be that way for me. I'm not going to have surgery on my voice to change my voice. I can try to to work on doing uh, a way of speaking that's differently. And I struggled with that when I was running for office because I was doing some of that. I was going to a voice coach and, you know, trying trying to talk in a more female voice so that way people wouldn't really know that I was a trans person. And I can do that, but it doesn't feel genuine. And I don't, it doesn't sound genuine to me. It may sound genuine to someone that doesn't know who I am, but I didn't feel genuine about it. And then if I have to talk all day long, and then my voice starts to slip, and I, and I start sounding like this, then where am I then? Now people see me as someone who's trying to be someone who I'm not. And I just want to, I don't want to be someone that I'm not. I just want to be the person that I am. And the person that I am is someone who wants to do the people's work and, and do the things that need to get done. Whether my voice sounds the way it should or shouldn't or perceived to be, or whether I look that way, it doesn't matter. Brianna's foyer into the political world sprung from her trans identity as a member of a marginalized group. The swap from cis white male to trans female nascently highlighted male privilege as well as female and LGBTQ inequity. It wasn't until I really came out as being trans that I realized that I wasn't as privileged as I was before. I didn't really realize I even had any privilege. I didn't pay much attention to it. But once I found out that I was part of a group that was really being discriminated against, especially by the federal government, that's when I took uh, to the political world and, and started to uh, do some lobbying with with advocacy groups and going to the Women's March and uh, joining up with the uh, Democrats LGBT caucus in Jefferson County and and just trying to do more things to, to make things better for people. You know, as a closeted trans person, I didn't really get out and do things. I was you know, kind of just wanted to be myself at home more than anything. So even the people in my community, I didn't even know that well. 
I just, you know, didn't really do a lot of things. I didn't really go out and, and get involved because I just didn't feel comfortable. So um, I was really kind of starting from scratch when I decided to run for office. I, I had to get to know everybody and earn their trust, which was something that was, you know, it's always difficult because every, everybody views a politician as someone who's distrustful. And, you know, the federal government is probably one of the best examples of that. Um, I think that there's a lot of people throughout the years in Colorado that have been very well-respected politicians here and, and, and trusted ones. And um, so the, the local level stuff wasn't something that I had to really worry about, but nobody knew who I was. I just kind of came out of nowhere and just started doing this. And I didn't even know if I could even win an election. Well, the the moment that really tipped the scale for me, because I had kind of molded over and talked about different positions and looking at the map and where I was and what I could actually run for. Um, you know, we knew that city council was coming up in 2019. But, you know, the the state election, nobody was running for it. It was going to be probably the same guy that did it the last two times. It lost really bad. And he hadn't even thrown his hat in yet. So, you know, not knowing that I could win an election as a trans person because nobody had up until that point ever an openly trans person in the U.S. You know... I was like, I mean, nobody knows me. I'm a trans person. I mean, am I going to be taken seriously? And it was the November election in 2017 when Danica Rome won her election. It kind of said like, okay, well, one person did it. (laughs) So, all right. Well, I mean, that's better than nobody. Uh, So... I figured, yeah, might as well. And the way I looked at it is that I had a lot of contrast with the person that was the incumbent. And in particular, that he didn't really do a lot of constituent services and, and talk to people and help help them with their issues because he wasn't responsive. And, you know, that was something I didn't have any problem trying to do. So I thought that I would be able to do his job better than he was doing it. And, you know, the way I saw Danica Rome run her campaign, that's what she worked on was constituent services and getting people on a particular issue. She had her road. I didn't have a road to really focus on because our political system is quite different. But I had a lot of experience. I had a long history of volunteering. I had a lot of education and we had a good message and you know i I just thought that in the beginning because danica rome got a lot of support that maybe i would too and uh, that didn't really pan out that way no i really got no support uh at all and and the funny thing was is that she was running against an incumbent who had been there for 30 years and she got support to to beat that guy. 
and I was running against a guy who had been there for four years, and he was kind of well liked. He was a moderate. It was a also like a fourteen point deficit to overcome, and I had a hard time raising money because I was going to school and working at the same time I was campaigning, so I didn't have the time to devote to fundraising all day long like a lot of other people did. And I also had the problem of raising money on the phone because nobody knew who I was, and I don't sound like Brianna Tatone when I, when I call people. And they're like, what? Spell that? What's the name? Say again? So I spent, you know, the first 15 seconds of the call spelling my name and trying to, you know, explain who I am. So it was very difficult for me to raise money. And that was my biggest problem in order to get support was that I didn't have the money raised in the beginning. There's a lot of people that said, like, I shouldn't have won that race. I mean, I've heard those words specifically. I shouldn't have won that race. And, you know, we knew it was going to be difficult. But, you know, I'm a hard worker. So every minute of the day that I, I could be at an event or, you know, try to raise money on Facebook or, or um, you know, just talk to people and knock on doors and... That was the way we knew we were going to be able to get the message out. And yeah, I mean, we worked really, really hard. We, we were in the top five house districts with doors every single week because I had a great team that was working really hard too. And, um, you know, that's how we got the message out. And we did it as inexpensive as we possibly could. We didn't have a lot of mail programs. We didn't, we didn't spend a lot of money on consultants. We didn't have any consultants. We, we, had, we did all the artwork and the, the graphic stuff ourselves. So we, we did two mail pieces for probably the price of one of, a, of another campaign because that's about all we could afford. So, but we knew that the doors were more important anyway. And... There is a, a strong, I, I would say that this is the year that I had to do it. Because if it was any other year, I don't know. When I can't look at the future to see what 2020 is going to be like. But for me to win for the first time as a candidate, as a trans person, in a hard district, this was the year to do it. Because there was a lot of momentum behind Democrats all across the board. And that was the real reason why we won. <laughs> I mean, if anybody else had done it and hadn't worked as hard as we did and, and had the strategies and, and the, the knowledge to do the things ourselves, there's no way we would have won. And that's why they say, like, we should never have won that. And, and yeah, I mean, I, I agree that we, sh we shouldn't have really won it. And, and it was the momentum and everything else that really pushed it over. But people were, people believed in me. And there were a lot of people that were excited when they knew about, you know, who I was and what I stood for and my identity. There were more people excited about my identity than 
giving me, you know, any kind of grief for it. You know, my opponent kept it clean. She didn't go low. She didn't do a smear campaign. She kept it nice. And she didn't have to. She may have been encouraged to, to not. And I don't know if that's the case or not. Um, but I know that she said that she decided she wanted to keep it clean. And then I appreciate that. Because <laughs> if, um, if she didn't, I don't know how that would have changed it. If that would have gotten more people upset that I was a trans person and voted against me. Or if it would have gotten people excited because I was a trans person and voted for me. I don't know what that would have done. And and now that, you know, I won the election and I'm the elected official, it's like, you know, they don't care. <laughs> you know, 25,000 people voted and said they don't care. You maybe even said, hell yeah. Yeah, some people said, hell yeah. <laughs> and, and, you know, it's just like, you know, we just want someone that's actually going to do the work, you know? You know, people throughout history have been struggling with this all the time, and now it's trans people are, are, are one of the last groups to really come out of it. And, you know, the thing about most trans people is that they live their lives in the shadows. They live two lives. They, they have two different things, and... And I did that for a really long time. When I was working as a consultant, I was wearing what I wanted to wear underneath my bulky Carhartt jacket because nobody could see it. And I just always was really careful not to get hurt on the job so I didn't have to uh, have an ambulance cut my jacket off to find what was underneath there. It's, it's always been difficult for trans people because we've always existed and it was always just the fear of, of how people looked at us. Being trans is dangerous. Transgender people are over four times more likely than cisgender people to experience violent victimization, including rape, sexual assault, and aggravated or simple assault, according to a new study by the Williams Institute at UCLA School of Law. Straying from any norm to the margins leaves groups and individuals vulnerable to attack. Brianna inhabited this liminal space between community service and community rejection. Her trans identity created tension between wanting to belong and wanting to be her most authentic self. Thankfully for us, she chose authenticity, and a funny thing happened. Her identity should have placed her on the margins in this red district, but her community rose to meet her. She gained not only acceptance, but also support to the point of representing her community values, hopes, and dreams. As Colorado's first openly trans legislature, she brings awareness to the trans story while moving her trans identity away from the margins. Brianna's story is about identity, but in some ways it's more about community identity and less about Brianna's transhood. Brianna felt like an outsider with a dangerous secret most of her life. Through identity transformation, she not only changed herself, but flipped a state congressional district from red to blue, and now represents the values and dreams of the very people from whom she felt separate. 
She is now at the core of the community and walks her truth every day, embracing her most authentic self. Thanks for listening to the third of this five-episode season here on Identity the Podcast. I'm excited for you all to meet Maria, a brand new U.S. citizen in episode four. I'm Sarah Struby, and this is Identity the Podcast.